Welcome to the Three Thirds Bank One Third Scouts podcast. It is episode number 53, and I'm joined by my fellow podcasters, Mr. Ross Smith and Mr. Simon Mann. How are we both? Um, I am excellent. Delighted to be hearing your dulcet tones once again. It's been it a long been time. A very long time. I'm also not completely confident on episode 53 either, so I have to re- <laughs> <laughs> realise that when I wrote 53 in the box. I'm like, mm, I don't think it is 53. It might be 53. Cheddar, I won't worry. It won't be the first mistake we've ever made on this podcast. <laughs> so. well, 50... It won't be the last mistake we make on this podcast. <laughs> Give me 15 minutes and somebody will be shouting, Hello? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how are you cheddar do you know i'm very good very very good um not so not so good with the heat decided i don't like hot weather um while we're talking about the heat you know i found out uh you know that you might know this actually sam did you know the temperatures that they give for like what how hot it's going to be that's the temperature in the shade I found that out this week as well. I didn't know that either. Uh, so actually, in direct sunlight, it's it's a lot warmer than what they say it's going. What they say it is. No, I I didn't know that. I knew they were very particular about how they measured it. And um, a few years ago, I remember working somewhere, and uh, it was on the news channel. They were like down on College Green for, and, and it was like an ex- exceptionally hot day. And the presenter wanted a thermometer that you could turn to. And just be like, look how hot it is. And the weather people, like, just had no sense of humour about it at all. And they were like, no, that wouldn't be an accurate reading. It, you know, you, you, you can't be saying that on TV. And they were, like, really uppity about it. Yeah, because yeah. apparently they take the temperature in the shade so they can standardise it across the world. Wow. I mean, all I know is it's bloody hot this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hot. Yeah, you suddenly realise that carpet and fluffy pillows are a very bad choice in your house, aren't you? In the, in the heat. <laughs> How, Monday, Tuesday, I was on basically a, a, a solely ice lolly based diet. <laughs> well, Monday, well, I was all right because I, I didn't mind going to work because I had an air conditioned room to work in, which is quite nice on a. So it really it took me by surprise every single time I had to leave my room as to actually how hot it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you went outside in it, it was so intense, wasn't it? Yeah. Because there was points when I was sat in my room at, at school that I was actively seeking a jumper to put on. <laughs> but then, obviously, I left the room and suddenly this wave of heat just hit you. And then I tell you what, on Tuesday... When the breeze, it just felt like you'd opened your oven door every time oh, the wind yeah. blew. That was not nice. The it, Monday, it wasn't... I, Monday, I was off. Tuesday, I had to do some bit. I had to, Tuesday, I had to go to work. So I was, I was actually glad I was going to work because, like you said, it was air conditioned. But there was a couple of points in the day where I had to go outside. Oh, so this was the one that this is what got me. So well, Tuesday afternoon, I go to Sainsbury's, three o'clock, the hottest part of the day, walk all the way over to Sainsbury's. And there is no food in the fridges in Sainsbury's because Sainsbury's said that the fridges couldn't cope. Um, so there was no chilled food anywhere unless you wanted like oat milk or something like that. So I then had to then come out of Sainsbury's and then walk up Regent Road, across the road to the petrol station. So I had to walk for about 
five minutes extra to get my lunch. So I had to buy a drink in Sainsbury's to drink it on the way to the petrol station, then buy another drink for my lunch. What what drink did you buy? Oat milk. No, I bought uh, <laughs> but I bought a non-chilled bottle of a flavored water. Non-chills. Wow. A good litre bottle served me served me well going to the petrol station. Uh, wow! An extortionate amount of money for me for me dinner because it was petrol station. Well, on the Sunday I played football, uh, and obviously that was before the heat had really hit, but it was still hot, still hot. Um, and I took lots of water to play, and I left the bottle in the sun. And by half time, when I came to drink it, it it was. It was on. It was just like turning the hot water tap on and having that. It wasn't. And then I thought, right, well, it must just be what like things just taste warm in your mouth. I thought, so I poured it over my head, thinking it'll still be relatively cool, and it wasn't. It was. It was just really hot water that just warmed me up more. So that was a bad decision. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, we're not the only ones who've been in heat. United and Liverpool have been in heat this week, haven't they? In the pre-season tours. Yeah. I tell you what, we've had a few months off, but you've not lost it, have you? Oh, uh-huh, hey. <laughs> it's like riding a bike. <laughs> <laughs> great to be great to be sharing the, the podcasting world with the with an expert once again. <laughs> uh, so what do I do? Cheesy, have a break and then come back to it? Or going to crash straight into it? Uh, we crash straight into it if you want. Yeah, let's crack on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. While the connection's strong. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, the pre-season friendly. Uh, 4-0 win to United. Cheese it. You reading anything into it? Um, you should play 4-0 will against Liverpool. Yeah. You are? Yeah, 4-0 against, yeah, against Liverpool, yeah. Um, well, I didn't watch it. I've I've seen bits of highlights. I've seen bits of of commentary and stuff. I'm not going to lie. Like I think wasn't it a very similar scoreline of two or three seasons ago when Shakiri scored no red kick or something like that. Um, and you always want to win preseason games. You always win every game. But I I don't, I don't know. It, it was what it was. I think we I think did we play three? Did we play three different teams? But I don't know. I mean, I think it was we had chances to score. We just didn't score. But you can play the best game in the world and lose four 0 Still lost four 0 I suppose. So, but um, and it was yeah. a lot that uh, Darwin Nunes. Well, didn't make his debut, but played. Um, he came in for a lot of stick. Are you worried about him or? Um, I mean, I, I think I'm probably more worried about him now. Jota's probably going to be injured. I think Jota's got a hamstring injury, but. I mean, it, it, I think what I don't, he's not—he hadn't trained that long. Like they signed him at a really weird time, so like it's not like we've signed him and he's gone straight to team training. He'd been—I think he'd only been with the squad for I don't know, maybe a, a few days or a week at top. So um, we'll wait and see. Not every Liverpool player hit the ground running. So with uh, with with Mane now gone. I mean, how do do you expect Liverpool's first choice front three to line up? I think Nunes will start, um, and that's only because that, again Jota's injured. But it's obviously it'll be Salah, Diaz, and uh, and uh, and Nunes. I would I would think 
Um, but there's lots to talk about whether Liverpool will change formation. Um, Can Nunes and Firmino play together? Probably not. That's why the so that's why the, the the bit around who then plays in the so if the, the formation change would be Liverpool go to two midfield, um, and then would play almost like a two three one. So then whoever would be so Firmino or Cavallo or Elliot could play as ten, and then the Diaz, Salah, and Nunes or Jota would 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 fit in in and around in and around that. Um, I don't think they'll probably do that in the end because there's so many we've Liverpool have got so many central midfielders that put in less central midfielders on the pitch. And more forwards doesn't seem like a very good idea, but I think for I think for how slow Nunes has started, and that's not necessarily in a bad way. I think Fabio Cavallo started really well, um, and when obviously when we bought him and they said, "Well, we're not going to loan him out," I was like, well, "I don't know how much game time he's going to get." But then since then, Minamino's left, Origi's left, Mane's left, so there's, there there is there is definitely places now, and especially with five subs this season, there is more chance of getting minutes and, and them resting plays more this year and by all accounts Cavalli had a really good I think really good half an hour um, against Palace and against United um, so he was probably a bit, a bit more I was probably more surprised at how well Cavalio did to how not so good probably Nunes did but I mean I spend the, reality, the reality of the season I suspect will end up being that players that have December off will probably thrive in the second half of the season and players that spend December slogging the guts out or running around in Qatar will probably be knackered by, you know, and, and that, that, that'll probably end up being the kind of defining part of the season, won't it? Well, I think they, the, 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 final for the, is the final for the World Cup's on the 21st of December, I think, or the Sunday of Christmas yeah. week. And then it obviously it goes, there's one less game between Christmas this year, but I think it's Boxing Day, like 28. And then New Year's Day, New Year's Eve on the weekend of New Year's Eve or something like that. So it's like it's a pretty intense fixture fixture list. I think Haaland's not going to the World Cup. Salah's not going to the World Cup. Um, I don't actually know. I, I can't even, don't even know if if, um, if Uruguay have qualified. So I don't I don't know whether Uruguay going or not. So whether Nunes goes or not, I don't know. Um, but obviously, it's going to be it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a, it's going to be a really difficult season. I think. But on the other hand, United have started. You, I mean, you must be happy with the way United have started. Uh, yeah. Oh, go on. I was just going to say, just this the the four nil. Uh, wait, I'm not obviously saying what you are. I, you obviously, like you say, you want to win. You want to win. Um, but I think it was really important for Ten Hag to get a good result in that game. And I know it's only a preseason friendly, but with it being against Liverpool. I really think that it could have started if if we would have got beat four 0 off Liverpool in that way, then I, I I honestly think the negativity surrounding United Ten Hag could have been under pressure instantly. Well, it's all about momentum, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I mean. So I I really think it could have. It's it, it, I know it's a pre season, but I do think it was quite important for him to win. I don't know if you yeah, agree, Simon, I, or not. I, I I kind of agree. Yeah, like I don't think it's necessarily important that he won. I think if they had been like absolutely smashed, then it would have been a real moment of like, oh, he's he's come in, he's tried something new, and look, they clearly haven't picked it up very quickly. Everyone would be thinking, God, this is there's a lot a lot of pressure on this preseason now. They're going to have to start picking things. Like, I think, I think you're right. I think there would have been if they'd lost badly, people would have read a lot more into it than 
I mean, the reality of pre-season these days, like, back in the day, pre-season used to be a <laughs> hey, it's not so long for the first technical difficulty, has it? No. I do. Um, uh, oh, no, oh you back. Am I, am I, yeah. Whereabouts in my flow did you lose? Did I lose you left you? pre-season back in the day. Oh, pre-season back in the day was about preparing yourself for the season. Now I think pre-season really is about kind of meeting your commercial needs in and around trying to prepare yourself for the season. So I think the reality was Liverpool just hadn't been training for... You know, Liverpool really didn't need a game in terms of their preparation. They needed a bit more training. Whereas, you know, the money man says there's a chance to make a a stadium somewhere. I agree. And I also think, obviously, Klopp's been there however many years now. So him embedding the style of play into Liverpool isn't that important and doesn't need game time in pre-season to do it. Whereas... I think you can tell by the starting lineups that Ten Hag's been playing that he really wants to get game time into a lot of senior members of the squad in the style of play so he can not just see it on the training pitch but in actual games as well. Otherwise, because normally you don't United, see You know, we'll probably sort of get on to talk about the players that United have brought in, but I think for the for the few pre-season games, the front, he started with a front three of Sancho, Marshall and Rashford. And they've looked quite good. And you, you hear that and you think, oh, it's quite a strong front three. And they, they were actually there last season. But, <laughs> you know... Yeah, when if it looked like last season, you'd be like, oh, my God, Rashford. Yeah, when it like we had no options at all. <laughs> like, yeah. now you look and go, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a pretty strong... <laughs> There's yeah. goals, goals in all three of them. I think my only worry... Like, Sancho, I think, showed signs towards... Like, in things last season, Rashford looked like he fell off a cliff last season, you were never going to get him back. Martial, he's done exactly. this for his whole United career, hasn't he? Yeah, but he's done this for his, he's, done, yeah. he's put two or three good games together and then he's gone off the ball massively. So, what it means for him, I don't know. But, yeah, it, it is weird all of a sudden that you go, they have th- two or three good preseason, you go, oh, look quite threatening them three. Yeah. Don't they? How are you going to get Ronaldo into this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. But I, th- I do think it's been... It has been a good pre-season to build some positivity around Ten Hag and the, and, and the, the manner of the goals as well that have been scored haven't just been... Um, they've been quite team goals, haven't they? And quite a few slick one-touch, two-touch passes as if we knew what we were doing and we meant that to happen as opposed to... It felt like at times last season where it was just get the ball forward, it'd go near Fernandez or near Ronaldo, they'd do something and then we'd end up scoring. More by well, I mean, particularly under Ollie, the tactics under Ollie did often seem to be, and I I loved Ollie on the Solskjaer, but his tactics basically seem to be, look lads, you're better than them, you go out on the field and play, we'll be fine, and it didn't seem to be much sort of structure and organisation into any of it. So particularly in our attack, it was a bit like you know, Ronaldo will work it out, Fernandez yeah. will work it out, R- you know, Rashford get the ball and run at people, and you know, it'll work out. Whereas the goals now under ten, well, in the pre-season goals that you see, and they look worked on and thought out, and as if that's the style. Like the ball seems to be going forward with purpose, not just aimlessly lumping it into a corner to chase and then do something with it. It seems to be going forward and a bit more direct with purpose. So, I, so it it seems, who's been well, playing in midfield? Well, it's McFred, isn't it? You can't you can't get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
pairing, can you? If you got the, the world's best combination, <laughs> you're going to break that up. Well, no, what I meant was, is I'm assuming Fernandez is playing, or is Fernandez still been, is Fernandez not really been in the team? No, no, Fernandez has started both, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's played Fred, he's kind of played a 4-3-3 with Fred at the base, and then McTominay and Fernandez wide of them. So it's not been a 4-2-3-1, it's been a 4-3-3. But then, sure, uh, but then obviously, I mean, we might as well start talking about it now, but surely Ericsson comes into that to, instead of McTominay, you would have thought... Well, yeah, this is what uh, Ten Hag's been speaking, hasn't he? He said that he, he likes Ericsson because Ericsson can play higher up and be more creative or he can also play deeper and pull the strings from there. So, yes, I think it it, it will be that... Well, yeah, McTominay or... But then Fernandes now can get... You can He's got a bit of competition, hasn't he? For, I mean, for his place. Yeah. And the, the trouble with the... Um... We're playing Fernandez and Ericsson in midfield three is it, you know you're really having to trust whichever one you then play as the holder, aren't you? I think you, when you play Matt Fred, you're kind of relying on the two of them between them to sort of cover the defensive duties. Whereas I'm not sure individually either one of them is a Declan Rice figure or a Kante figure in terms of like a marauding holding midfielder who will close off everything. You know, and they're both quite limited individually but kind of dovetail well together at the best and, and not good enough most of the time but we'll have to see how it goes I, I mean I, I sort of touched on it earlier I think Ericsson is kind of a good player to have just because often I think football fans we get a bit caught up on like oh how's this going to slot into our first 11 I think to be rare this season you're going to get your first 11 out and you know there's going to be so many games going to be such an intense turnaround of games they're just going to need lots of players. I think having squad depth this season will probably end up being crucial. Yeah, I I think Ericsson's generally a good signing. One, because obviously, going from the likes of Pogba and Lingard, when they're all their noise and social media stuff, you don't get anything from Ericsson. He's just a good... He's a, he's a one-matter kind of player, isn't he? That you know you can rely on him, just gets on with the job. My only thing with the sign of Ericsson, and it's got nothing to do with his health, none of the... Big, not now, but when he was at Tottenham, he didn't. None of the big like English teams really. What I, do you know? What he I mean, did to, he did go to Inter Milan. I know, but how how much of a European giant were they at the time? When, if you know what I, I think, mean, I don't know. I think I think a lot of it at the time was like I don't know. It it, it was really hard. I think if anybody was going to pick anybody off from Spurs, it probably wouldn't have been Ericsson. <laughs> And I think ultimately he just decided he wanted. I think I think the emergence of probably Son, but then a lot of it might have been Ericsson going around. Well, I don't really want to play for anybody else in the Premier League because and there's no way that there's no way if Spurs went offered him around that nobody would have taken him. But he's probably gone. Do you know what? I want to go and play. I want to go and play in Milan for a bit. Look, I, th- I think he's a very very good player, and obviously he's it's probably the level of United right at the minute. We can't go. We're not after. Yeah, it's one of them where I mean, like he he does improve our squad, and we needed to get bodies in, and he's better than some of the players that have gone out. Yeah, but, but I, my, all my point is, would you be happy as a or City yeah. City by as a as a fan of them clubs? You're not going to be overjoyed that you've got Ericsson. I know he's on a free and everything. Yeah, City are going. Oh damn, we missed out on Ericsson. Yeah, that that's my only point. But yeah. I do think it's a good sign for United where they are at the minute. 
It um, is vintage United, though, to sign a player about five years past his best, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's very in keeping with our recent transfer policy. Yeah. Um, what about what about Van der Beek then? I, I think I've seen a picture of him in. I've seen a, have I seen a picture of him in the United kit again playing? Has he been playing or? He played pre-season, got an assist uh, in the last in the Palace game. Um, it'll be interesting for him because obviously Ten Hag knows well knows him better than most, doesn't he? And got the best out of him. Um, so I don't think I don't think he's particularly worried about Van der Beek playing in games because I think he'll probably think that Van der Beek understands what he wants. Uh, from him on a pitch, so it'll just be interesting to see. I think Van der Beek gets a fresh start under a new manager. So I think it's a huge season for Van der Beek. I like, I mean, like it's really now or never for him because if it doesn't work out for him this season, he's kind of run out of excuses. You know, it, I think a lot of people have given him the benefit of the doubt the entire time he's been in England. You know, we blame the managers for not giving him a chance. Then he, he goes to Everton, doesn't make any impression there for six months, can't really get in their team. You know, if he then comes back, he works with a manager who he's worked with before. <coughs> you know, you've, you've kind of ran out of people to blame other than him if if it, if it doesn't work out this season. Uh, yeah, I, I, it does, but. I agree. I, I think it is a big season. But then I still don't think he's a bad player. I just think there's some players who, who just don't suit English, like Veron. Veron wasn't a bad player when he came to United, but the Premier League just didn't suit Veron, did it? So, yeah. well, my my overall concern is, you know, obviously Barcelona are trying to push De Jong out. De Ligt has left Juve. Uh, you know, Juve been happy to let De Ligt go to Bayern Munich for not that much money in the grand scheme of things. And there is a, you know, obviously Eric Ten Hag's big success with with that Ajax team. I always think Ziyech looks rubbish. Whenever I see him at Chelsea, I never really get what he's doing that's so good. And, you know, he's sort of in and out of that team. Do you think, were they that good after all? (laughs) I think it's a sum of all parts, though, isn't it? Because I think one of the big things about the Ajax was that there wasn't a lot of standout. Like, they were all kind of, they were all, I mean, even Delic was a promising young player and De Jong and they were all like, they all worked really well together. But sometimes when you split that up, and you go off and you go do and try and do something else. It just doesn't. It just doesn't work. Um, or does it just? Or does it just highlight that Ten Hag is a better coach than he's given credit for? That he's actually yeah, that. There is a bit of that. A lot of it comes down to like, like you can have the best players. You can have the best players in a team. You can have the best player in every position. But if they can't play together as a team, then what the hell's the point? Because although they never ever, you feel like you'll never win. You might win the odd game with a bit of individual brilliance, which is what Ronaldo and Fernandez have shown over the last couple of years. But ultimately, you don't play well if you can't play as a team. If you don't, follow, you can't follow some sort of pattern of play. Then it's all a bit of a mess, really. But yeah, like you said, and like you said about Rashford, like he's not, he's not. You don't forget how to be a good football player. All right, you're in and out of form and all that stuff, but. Martial, like you said, all of it takes him in to have, rather than, what is it, two or three good games, you said, all, all of a sudden he's having five or six good games at a time and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's a bit more, then actually it might not be that bad of a season. Yeah, we just have to, I mean, yeah, we will just have to wait and see. I don't think they're terrible players, but I think obviously Ten Hag did put a, a good team together. And then you see... You see what happens. But but everything I mean, around United just feels so much more positive than it did, you know, last time we did this podcast. What, you know, what about yeah. the, 
What about the butcher? Well, yeah, yeah, we've now got a new tough Argentine centre half, which is always always useful to have around. Well, the the big change with him coming in in pre season is obviously last season Maguire was the left side of the centre uh, centre halves, whereas Maguire's been moved shifted over to the right during pre season. So, Matt Lisandro Martin is going to come in and play on the left side, and presume he's going to play with Maguire. Otherwise, what's the point in shifting Maguire to there? Um, it'd be interesting though, won't it, to see how well, it works as yeah. a Obviously, I mean, Varane missed a lot of games last season, but when he played, he was our, probably our best centre-half. So it's one of them where, you know, I don't know if they've taken a view of the fact that the amount of games he missed last season is the amount of games, you know, that's kind of what we're going to get from him. And that wasn't like a blip, and maybe he's just going to be injury-prone and you need more, you know, because... We, you know, we spent enough money on Martinez that, on this, yeah, Lugano Martinez that you think, yeah, well, he's obviously going to be bought with the preview that you're going to play him. And Maguire is going to play because he made him captain. Yeah, and Ten Hag knows exactly what he's getting in Martinez, doesn't he? he doesn't yeah, to... and Varane must be on wages of a first-team player. Yeah, well, I think he did say, I think he said about Maguire that Maguire isn't, he, he, although he's captain, he doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play every game. I mean, Varane's on 350 grand a week. So, I mean, you've, you've just spent 50 million pounds on a central defender. You're captain. And unless he's going to play all three of them, one of them's going to sit on the bench. But then similar to what you said, Simon, there's going to be that many games. Varane isn't, probably isn't going to be able to play three games in a week. So, no. it's probably just... I, I, it would it, just be interesting, the pairing, and whether that... Uh, how it affects... Maguire as a player because he, he got booed in the Palace game, didn't he? Oh, yeah, I yeah. do think that's a bit unfair to you. I like, you know, it's pretty yeah. But then, from all accounts, he, he he played really well and was defending quite well. Um, I read some things because uh, obviously I managed to catch a lot of the games. I've seen high like kind of clips that you see of so floating around social media. But some were saying it, it seems to be that um, Fred's playing at the base of this of United and although he's not the the strongest, it seems to be that Maguire's stepping up and doing having a lot of the physical battles more in midfield. So whether that means Maguire's being allowed to do that because Ten Hag knows that Martinez is in behind and can cover Maguire being out of position, which Maguire's never really had, has he, with Lindelof and he's never really had that quick centre half next to him that can one can step forward, one can step out. So I don't know. What be we interesting. have been left with is a problem that United have had for a long time, actually, in that we just can't move players on. So we're now going to be like, you know, Phil Jones turned up pre preseason training, didn't he? Bailly's still there, Lindelof's still there, Twan Z- um, yeah, Twan Zabi's come back from loan. He he's going to be there, and you know, it's this it's this Man United problem that that Liverpool are really good at just like moving on people like Minamino, you know, got whatever you wanted out of Origi, off he goes. Often just selling these reserve players to bomb for twenty million quid and stuff like you know, United are rubbish at it. Like we just we just end up stockpiling these players. We've now got three left backs. And you know, yeah, maybe uh, <laughs> we'll leave before the end of the window. I mean, surely like a short, sure, like, I mean selling include Brandon Williams. But do you not think this is just symptomatic of the um, Woodward era? And hopefully, yeah, with yeah. Arnold and Murtaugh, they, they, hopefully it'll all come to a, 
this will all change. Yeah, yeah. I was sort of overpaying on wages, and then these players, you know, turn out are, are rubbish and can't get the same wages anywhere else, and we're just lumped with them. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But I think, we, but I said we said the same thing about Solskjaer that he, in his first transfer window, he did well at getting some of the dead, getting some of the rid of the dead wood, didn't he? To begin yeah, yeah. With, rid of, obviously, Pogba's gone, Lingard's gone, and a few others. Whether that how much Ten Hag had to do with that, or whether it was Richard Arnold and that John Murta that did it. Um, but I mean, we we do have them, but. I don't think their contracts are going to get renewed, are they? Baye, as good as he looks when he does play, he can't string more than six games in a season, can he? Really? So you're not going to, re- you can't rely on him. So there's no point. No, no, yeah, yeah. But where he goes, we're not going to get money for him. Because so no what? Like- so so what about depth? And obviously, we've talked about needing a big squad. I feel like there's so many players have left United. You, I feel like you've not, brought, you've not brought that many more. You've not, you've not brought that many players. I know you had a lot of people to shift on, but. I mean, the only, the only place, I, well, well, I mean, obviously the Frankie De Jong um, saga seems like it's going to rumble until right near the end of this transfer sure. window, doesn't it? But I mean, Barcelona have signed that big deal with Spotify or whatever, and they've been given all this money. But surely Barcelona are going to have to sell somebody eventually. Well, they just got Lewandowski and they bought Rafinha, Rafinha. haven't they? Uh, they have someone I mean, else that Christiansen and Christian and Christiansen and Keste were on free deals anyway. But I, I don't know. I mean, thought, Barcelona's but... finances are just bonkers, aren't they? I mean, it's such a disaster waiting to happen. To be fair to <laughs> well, I, mean, I, you know, I don't normally defend footballers clinging, but I, I think a lot of the issue basically seems to be that they haven't paid Frankie De Jong. Frankie De Jong like deferred his wages, I think. He's owed like fifteen million euros. Yeah, and yeah. if I was him and I saw Barcelona spending fifty million here, thirty million there on new signings, I'd be saying, "Yeah, I am going to hang around for that fifteen million pound." Uh, I think Barcelona are basically hoping he'll leave the United, and then we'll be like, "Oh well, you know, yeah. we'll have to just write write that fifteen million off." Sadly, sadly, Frankie, you're not here anymore, so we can't pay you those wages. And I can hundred percent see why, from his point of view, I say, "Look, you've really got the money now." You, you do owe me. The- yeah, I, I I totally agree. I think I, I think it's absolutely it is scandalous because I know there was loads at the start of it all before anyone was really saying about the the wages and all it was owed and Dion saying about how he wants to stay and blah blah blah. In the context of his wages, it all makes more sense why he's saying he wants to stay as opposed to go anywhere because he's owed fifteen million euros. Like he signed a contract and then he's done the one of the biggest clubs in the world are favour by saying, okay, during COVID, I won't get paid that, but you promised to pay it all back. They must be able to find 15 million euros to pay him. I mean, we're good friends, Ross, but if you owed me 15 million euros, it'd really <laughs> test our friendship. <laughs> you wouldn't leave my house until I paid you. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I just think it's a bit, it is a bit wrong. I, do you also, do you think he'll end up coming, Simon? I think in the end, I think he will come. Um, I think it all just kind of is in place. I think ultimately he's not going to want to stay if he's not wanted. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Am I still? Am I still here? Yeah, he's, he's, stay if he's not wanted. Yeah, stay if he's not wanted. 
Oh yeah, well yeah, I don't think he, yeah. I mean, but there wasn't much substance beyond that. Right. <laughs> I think he, my instinct is he will come in the end. What about you? Uh, I think he will just because of how persistent United are being. Kind of, they're not letting it. They're not really letting it drop, are they? Um, there doesn't seem to be any. There doesn't really seem to be anyone else. The only other name, I mean, the only other name that I've heard recently as a plan B is Tielemans, who United might have some interest in. But and but also Ten Hag's comments recently. He said he said that we can bring someone in of the quality, or it's um, a work with the players in the squad. So it almost seems in midfield it's Frankie Dion or bust really. Yeah, um, and you know, and Liverpool are a really good example with, with Thiago. You don't all end up with the wrong uh, nice passing <laughs> spans. Barcelona uh, <laughs> central midfielder, do you? That yeah, can exactly. Be... Yeah. Just make sure you don't have to play centre half this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, but weirdly, I am at the doom and gloom of last season. It's amazing what a couple of signings and a new manager does for you with a sense of optimism. Do you think um, Cristiano Ronaldo was starting the season for Manchester United? I honestly no, I don't think he will. I, don't, I think he'll be. I still think he'll beat United, but I don't think he'll be in the starting eleven. Oh, that's that that's that's a tough one for Ten Hag. Surely I don't think it is. Going to keep him and then not play him? No, I don't think it's. I don't think United are keeping him. I just don't think anyone else wants him. Well, there is a bit of that, I suppose. That, that's the th- that's the problem. I think Ronaldo. I think he. I think Ronaldo for all oh, there'll be fewer top clubs wanting to sign me. Whereas all the top clubs probably have looked at it and go, I don't really want to sign a 37, 38 year old now on the, his wages. That's well, the I reckon all the top clubs have gone. I reckon you know the the agents probably take shown him said to all the top clubs you can get Ronaldo, you know, and they've all gone. Yeah, yeah, we'd love Ronaldo. Thinking, yeah, he's going to sell a lot of shirts, and then they've, they've kind of, and I think that, I think this is exactly what's happened with Chelsea, and their new American owners have gone, yeah, this is exactly the sort of statement signing signing we want, the great Cristiano Ronaldo, and then Thomas Tuchel's gone, what that no. guy? No, I can't, can't work with him, and I think all the top clubs have probably done that. I reckon Bayern Munich are probably doing the same, where they're thinking this will this will be a real coup, this will sell a lot of shirts, real boost our profile, and Nag- Nagelsmann's going. Oh no, that won't work. You know, <laughs> we. Do, I, didn't well, fight, I didn't keep. I didn't fight to keep Lewandowski, and he runs around loads. <laughs> yeah, and plus, like, I know they've lost Lewandowski, but it's not like Mane doesn't score goals. Like they've they've bought someone in who, who scores goals, and you probably won't score yeah. as many as Lewandowski does. But he's not going to go. Real Madrid aren't going to get him back because then what they're going to do with Benzema? They're not going to push Benzema out wide, are they? Again, I do, to accommodate I do th- Ronaldo. I do think it is a bit odd what they are, what Bayern Munich are going to do with Man. I know, like, um, I think Gnabry and Sane. I don't know if Sane's just signed a new contract or they're, they're not going to sign new contracts. But I, I mean, Mane only played half the seat, half the season as as a central striker. I know he's played for um, Senegal up top, but I, di- I didn't see Bayern Munich signing Sadio Mane to play as their number as their number nine. Yeah, yeah but Bayern Munich. Did, did, did Bayern not think they were going to keep Lewandowski? Possibly, I don't know, but maybe they'll go out and buy somebody else. I suppose. I suppose there's, all, there's, there's that, isn't there? They could just now that they now that they know that he's definitely gone. They'll just wait for the next big, the next striker in the Bundesliga to he scores most goals and they'll buy him next season. They'll play Muller as a false nine and then Mane and Nabri or Sane off him, and then 
And they'll still win the league that way, won't they? So it won't make yeah. that much difference. No, From the outside, uh, Cheesy, do you, do you think Ronaldo will be at United at the start of the season? Um, I don't think so, because I don't think... I think he normally gets what he wants in a roundabout kind of a way. That um, if he... I, not that he, not that he doesn't feel wanted, because that's probably not the case. But if he's probably not going to play, he still thinks that he can play every week. Then he definitely is going to sit on the bench, is he? He might, he might, he might do. He might. Well, so, kind of well, so, where, so which club's going to take him then? No, I didn't. No, I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't say that. I said he's going to. If he wants to go, I think the realization of that he the, nobody's going to take him on half a million pound a week. Nobody. Nobody's going to take him. Well, I didn't well, think for no, a minute. No, no, the European team is, you know, it depends well, who he wants to cash in. He's, he's, not, he's not going to go and play. He's not going to go and play Saudi Arabia, is he? He's just, I don't think. He, I don't think he thinks that that's. I, I think he thinks he can play as long as, as Ibrahimovic. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he can. I'm sure I'm, he's fair enough. I'm sure he can. But I just, I like to ask, his wage demands, and yeah, I just don't it, think people. Are, and I think also people have probably looked at. Uh, I know. Ronaldo had a decent, well, good season at United, but I think people look at like what Messi, Messi's not done that much at PSG. There's not that many big European clubs out there that actually need a striker or want to pay that much for. And he's and he's so, pretty much said he wants to play in the Champions League. So yeah, like you, you're almost like you, you've got there's what 40, 45 teams, well, thirty two teams obviously this year's Champions League. So. You, you're kind of like you're kind of thinking. Well, where could it? Where could he go? And it's not like well, really, he, he only wants. Go on. He only wants to play in one realistically. He's got a chance of winning it as well. Oh. I thought potentially it might be Juventus might have sold Delict in, in order to try and bring him back, but I don't know. Maybe maybe that's. I don't think Juventus want him back, do they? Really? I, I really think he made that announcement. I think they they thought they had something lined up with Chelsea. I don't think when he makes it was weird having not made the announcement at the start of the summer to randomly make it as just. I think they did that with something lined up and it must have fallen through. Yeah, because you don't say I want to play in the biggest competitions when you know at the end of the season you're not in the big competitions. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and now he's. I think they're. I, I honestly think they're just. I think he's probably. He's got where he has in life with an incredible amount of self belief. And I think it, that it's probably backfired a little bit this summer because he suddenly, you know, he probably believed all the top, top clubs would be desperate for him. And what he would, not, are they? What he would have been better off doing was signing a one-year contract or there being a get-out, yeah. or like a get-out. So Because the other thing is as well is that United aren't going to let him go, just terminate his contract. But I, I actually think United probably don't want that much of a transfer. I, I honestly don't think United are fighting to keep him. I think United would probably, you know, it's hardly like... You know, there were times during Pogba's stay when we really looked quite, quite pathetic in the way that we were desperate for him to stay. And we kind of yeah. indulged him. And, you know, Ten Hag hasn't come out saying we need, you know, we need Ronaldo. No, he's just said I'm looking forward to working with him, which is kind of where I think Ten... But I think Ten Hag's in a much stronger position yeah. with Ronaldo than Solskjaer was because... He, he wasn't bought under Ten Hag. Ten Hag never said yeah to anything, or wasn't for, it wasn't forced upon him. We always Solskjaer had the issue like when he first dropped him, uh, there was all the question marks. Is Solskjaer the right manager? Ten Hag can just say, "Well, I'm coming in with my philosophy. This is what I want to do." Ronaldo's he could half say, "Well, Ronaldo said he wants to leave, so I'm not going to plan around a player that wants to leave." 
Yeah. I think he's in a much stronger position to be able to do that and no one really questions his decisions about things. Whereas I don't think Solskjaer was in that position. So then you can kind of look to anything. And if someone comes in for January for him, then like you say, Sam, I don't think United will be desperate. Plus, it brings the wages down. And one of the good things, Liverpool, I know what you said about Liverpool being able to move people on, Simon. That's after down to the fact that they've not got a ridiculous wage. They've got yeah. a good wage structure, haven't they? So the wages are astronomical. So when they do sell them on, smaller clubs feel like they can afford the wages or it's not a massive jump down. Whereas United, these astronomically high wages, then when you want to get rid of people, people go, well, I'm not affording that. I'm not paying that for him. And the player doesn't want to back down from the wages they're on. So... I just think the longer it rumbles on, the more of a pot. Like if, if if United would have if United would have brought De Jong in and got rid of Ronaldo, you're almost like it almost feels not not necessarily like a clean slate, but you almost feel like there's no more. You've no more. But as as long as the De Jong thing's going on in the background and Ronaldo's still there, like you said, like Maguire started the season like has started preseason quite well. Like there's no like Martial scoring, Rashford scoring. Like there's some sort of like it's playing like cohesive football. You're not going to tell me that Ronaldo's going to sit on the sidelines until until January. There's always going to be that constant press. Every press conference, there'll be something about Ronaldo as long as he's there. Just yeah, but I think I, I that's what I said. I don't think he'll start the first game because so I think you get it out of the way the first first game. United win because it's against Brighton, which is a very winnable game. I know Brighton are a decent team, but then there's no real like. I think the big problem when Ronaldo last season. When Ronaldo started, we played Newcastle. We only just beat him one 0 and it was a Ronaldo goals. So then you all of a sudden it builds this pressure of oh Ronaldo's Ronaldo's the one that wins all the games for us, and and then it almost became a self fulfilling prophecy that Ronaldo was scoring the goals and he was doing this. Whereas I think if Ten Hag goes, no, I'm not going to start him, and then I get rid of all this. We need Ronaldo to win games, thing, and we get we see that Rashford and scores Sancho score and we create goals from all them. Then it's it, it just. It cuts out all this speculation early doors. I think, I, I, if, I, in my Ronaldo, head, yeah. If Ronaldo does leave, though, I think we we probably do need another attacker. Yeah, well, well, apparently that uh, Anthony from Ajax yeah. is that's that deal's still alive. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> continuation of Ten Hag's obsession with signing <laughs> players. FC Ajax of Manchester. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if at some point he'll realise that if he really wanted to work with Ajax players, he could have <laughs> just stayed at Ajax. That was an option. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I'm obviously pre-season now, isn't it? And still, what, well, it's not that long actually. It's there till no, it's all, it two weeks. Now. Yeah, two Do weeks. you expect any, any more signs from Liverpool? Or are they they all done? No, I think I think that's it. I mean, the, I think the thing with Liverpool at the minute is if somebody comes on the radar that they they I don't know they they, look, they really want or there is in there I don't know top five, then they'll they'll look like they want to sign him. I mean, Klopp seems to give the ball seems to drop the ball a little bit when he said that um, Bellingham's not on the market. Well, you only know Bellingham's not on the market if you've been to Borussia Dortmund and said we want you Bellingham and they've gone no he's not on the market. So. Yeah. I think there's they they wanted Shu many who went to Madrid, so we bid for him. So to say that we don't want a midfielder is not necessarily correct, but we want the right midfielder. So um, and there's a lot of talk about Bellingham. There was talk about uh, Matias Nunes from Sporting Lisbon as well. I think the Liverpool's new technical director, sporting director, whatever, he's got quite big ties to Portugal. So any 
good Portuguese player is 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 on Liverpool's radar at the minute. So, um, but we'll we'll see. I don't I don't think anybody else will come in unless some, I think he said unless somebody leaves. So unless Dr. Chamberlain goes, I'm not going to play. I want to leave. Then we might sign another midfielder. But I think we've got eight central midfielders of varying different um, ages. Presume, so. Presumably, the, the Diaz signing in many ways is probably money they had he marked to spend this summer, isn't it? He was, he was the one that he was, he was the player that was supposed to come in in the summer. The only reason we bet, the only reason we bought him in January is because we thought Spurs were going to buy him. That was, he was apparently was a, was a player that we looked at ages ago. So that's what I mean about them having a, like Liverpool are probably planning for not next year now, but for the year after and who potentially is going to come in or who's the, who's the list of who may go in this place or who's going to leave or. Bloody hell, imagine being that organised, Simon. It's what dreams are made of, isn't it? Um, so I think this 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 summer was obviously massive that Salah stayed, and obviously I, ultimately one of them was going to leave, and probably Firmino leaves next year on a free on a free transfer. Um, well, maybe well Kat, maybe. If, you, if you need any, we've got four left backs and probably about fifteen centre halves. Yeah, if you want one of them, then yeah, give us a call. Yeah. I'm going to the um, the uh, friendly at Old Trafford next Sunday. Oh, are you? Are you? United versus Real Vallecano, one of the one of the big names of Spanish football. No, but they haven't they? Who plays for Real Vallecano? They've got some players, haven't they? I think does Falcao play for them? How does they? I'm sure they've got some. They've got like some ex United players. Someone was telling. I'm not quite sure it's going to work because United got a pre As far as I can work out, United playing Oslo on the 30th and then they play at Old Trafford on the 31st. So I'm not quite sure which players are going to be. Yeah, Liverpool, that's what happens. That's what Liverpool are doing. They're playing the, think the community shield against City and then the day after they played Strasbourg, I think. But they did that last year. They played a game on Sunday and Monday. So they like they just have a team, they just have two teams of like 18. And then. Well, I, for. for I bought United membership for me, Teddy and Luke, and then tickets were a five and a pound for adults and kids, so I couldn't really That's say That's all that. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. It takes some air defenders. Grayson didn't like the noise. Oh, well. They're just going to have to cry through it then, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, on that, right. on that tape. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Been a pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, I'm if, if we don't go and sleep in a cool room for a change. Yeah, if we don't record beforehand, I hope everyone has a good Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a happy new year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. See you all later. See you later. See bye you bye. bye. Thanks for listening to the Three Thirds Mank, One Third Scouse podcast. Give it a like, give it a share, and let us know what you think on Twitter at Mank3. That's at M-A-N-C-T-H-R-E-E. And keep listening for more new podcasts every week.